0: This is Garrett Packtinger, board-certified criticalist and co-founder of VetGirl. In this VetGirl podcast, we're going to be talking about effusion confusion. So confusion with all of those fluids within different body cavities. In health, our small animal veterinary patients have a very small amount of fluid within their body cavities. Can't see it radiographically, and most novice users, even of ultrasound, will also likely miss this effusion. The main goal of this fluid? Lubricate surfaces of organs and body walls, kind of like motor oil for your car engine. It allows the organs to glide over each other without friction, avoiding inflammation. That's health. But what about in states of disease, where we see effusion develop which needs to be identified and characterized for both diagnosis and targeted treatment. I know effusions can be confusing. Where do they come from? Why are they there? How do we diagnose, treat, and ultimately, hopefully, prevent them from returning? When I think about effusions, I try to break it down into simple information. Three categories. Is the effusion, is the fluid, a transidate? a modified transidate, or an exudate. We see transidate-type fluids as a result of either an increased hydrostatic pressure or a decreased colloid osmotic pressure. Transidate fluids are often low protein, less than 2.5 grams per deciliter, and also a low nucleated cell count, less than 2,500. Common causes of transidates include congestive heart failure, Liver failure, nephrotic syndrome, and in some cases, cancer. As compared to transidate, modified transidates have a mild increase in either protein or nucleated cell counts. For example, their proteins could be 3 to 5, cell counts between 25 to 5,000, and they're commonly seen from causes like chronic inflammation. For example, right-sided congestive heart failure, left-sided congestive heart failure, more likely in cats, decreased osmotic pressure, like hypoalbuminemia, lymphatic obstruction, and even neoplasia cancer. What about exudates? Exudates are seen when there's an abnormally high protein and nucleated cell count. For example, inflammation, hemorrhage, chyle, and of course, cancer. If you do have a suspicion of abnormal fluid present, for example, pleural effusion, where the patient has short and shallow respirations, likely dull lung sounds ventrally, or abdominal effusion, whether they have abdominal pain, abdominal distension, or even a fluid wave on palpation, some type of sentesis procedure should be considered and performed for diagnostic and therapeutic purposes. Diagnostic purposes, we get a sample to evaluate. Or therapeutic purposes, for example, with pleural effusion, we want to relieve that pressure, decrease the amount of fluid in their chest cavity so they can have easier and better respirations. Once you do collect your fluid sample, whether it's from the chest or abdominal cavities, or even other cavities like pericardial effusion, It's recommended to prepare that sample for either in-house evaluation or submission to whatever diagnostic laboratory you want to use. If the sample is being submitted to an outside laboratory, VetGirl does recommend contacting them to be sure we are sending the samples in the correct tubes. But in general, EDTA purple top tube and red top tubes Can be considered for samples. The EDTA collected sample can be submitted for cell counts, cytology, or other potential tests, including flow cytometry and PCR testing, where your red top tubes can be saved for other diagnostics like aerobic or anaerobic bacterial culture, mycoplasma fungal cultures, protein levels, albumin, bilirubin, creatinine, potassium, or other values. I also like to put some fluid on a slide, so I prepare my own slide, not only to look at it myself, but also to make sure there are no artifactual changes of the cells if they are shipped in the tubes before they can be processed at the outside lab. So let's talk about specific types of effusions what we may see, and how we're going to diagnose them. And the first effusion I want to talk about is septic effusion. Septic effusion is one that I emphasize first on why it is important to look at slides or fluid yourself before sending it out to a lab because you don't want to delay diagnosing a septic abdomen or a pyothorax, for example, in 24 or 48 hours once that outside lab gets that result. So look at a slide, look at the sample yourself. We want to make sure that we're treating our patients to the best of our ability. We can see septic abdominal effusions as a result of ruptured gastrointestinal tract due to causes like trauma, and cancer. So how are we going to make this diagnosis? Cytology is a very helpful tool. I will prepare a cytologic sample to look at on my in-house microscope, and I'm going to look not only for neutrophils, which we can see with inflammation, and bacteria, which hopefully will diagnose that septic abdomen, but hopefully intracellular bacteria. Other tests we can consider doing would be to compare glucose and lactate in our peripheral blood as compared to the effusion. If you think about it this way, if there's bacteria in your abdominal effusion, that bacteria needs an energy source and therefore the glucose will be eaten up. So that glucose in the abdominal effusion will be lower than in your peripheral blood. Conversely, There's not a lot of energy in there, so you're going to build up some lactate in that effusion as the bacteria need energy. So in the belly fluid, the lactate's going to be higher than in your peripheral blood. So often your effusion will have a lower glucose and a higher lactate compared to your peripheral blood. So that's how I diagnose my septic abdomen. It's a combination of clinical suspicion, cytology showing me neutrophils, Bacteria and hopefully intracellular bacteria, and if needed, comparison ratios of glucose and lactate. The next effusion I want to talk about is uroabdomen, so urine within the abdominal cavity that we can see due to trauma and rupture of the bladder, rupture of the ureter, or even cancerous causes of rupture. Now, Just like in our septic abdomen, we can use ratios of certain molecules to help make the diagnosis, but it's not going to be glucose or lactate in our uroabdomen patients. It will be a comparison of creatinine and potassium. We don't use blood urea nitrogen or BUN because it's so small and easily diffusible. So we're going to use again our creatinine and our potassium. A patient with a uroabdomen will have a creatinine level in the abdominal effusion that is two times greater or more than in your blood serum creatinine. Because it's a large molecule, it's not going to diffuse as rapidly. Potassium concentrations with a uroabdomen won't have as high of a ratio, but they're going to be 1.4 times in the dog and 1.9 times in the cat, higher in the fluid in the effusion as compared to the blood. What about a bile peritonitis? So a rupture of the gallbladder, a biliary mucoseal, trauma just the same. So how are we going to make that diagnosis of bile peritonitis with our effusion? Well, one thing is when you prepare your cytology using your Diff-Quick stain, you may see brown staining refractile bile pigments within your cytology. But if we compare values, of course, if we're worried about a bile peritonitis, we're going to be looking at our bilirubin levels. And our bilirubin level in our fluid is going to be at least two times higher than in your peripheral blood. My clinical experience is that bile peritonitis ratios for a true rupture aren't even close. The last case I had just the other week had a bilirubin level in the effusion of just over 19, and the blood was under three. So often with a full rupture, a bile peritonitis has quite a distinct ratio, but it should be at least two times the bilirubin in the effusion as compared to your peripheral blood sample. So while effusions can be confusing, my recommendation is to take a step back, take a deep breath, and think about it logically. When you get a sample of your effusion, First, try to decide, is the effusion a transidate, a modified transidate, or an exudate? If we use those classifications, we can try to further classify common differentials for that type of fluid being there. When you get your sample, diagnostic or therapeutic, think about what you're going to do with it. For example, is that patient a traumatic patient that is now slightly azotemic and you are worried about a uroabdomen? If so, remember to compare ratios of creatinine and potassium. Is the patient having issues with blood pressure, heart rate, and you're worried they are septic? Well, remember, take a look at your cytology. Is there evidence of inflammation with neutrophils? Are there bacteria present intra- or extracellular? Could the patient have a biliary mucocele or following a hit-by-car vehicular trauma event? Do they have an elevated blood bilirubin level? Is the effusion a brown or yellow color? Do you see bile pigments on your cytology? Did you compare your effusion bilirubin to your peripheral blood bilirubin? Ultimately, I hope this was a good summary and a great guide to thinking about effusion confusion and how we can make it less confusing and a better diagnosis.